I do have a message, and it is called The Simple Gospel. Um, I have not been in the pulpit since uh, sometime late November, early December. Kevin and I don't have a schedule. Uh, we just allow God to, to do what he does, and if he's speaking to him, he preaches. If he's speaking to me, I preach, and we've always done it that way and plan to continue that. Um, so it's been a little while, and in my downtime, I try to stay on top of things and prepare and, and be ready so that if Kevin does call at the spur of the moment, I am ready. In doing that, I come up with a whole lot of different things and a whole lot of different messages, and I try my best not to write them out. I try my best to hang on to those titles and meditate on those titles and think about things and gather my thoughts and be prepared, but at the same time, I don't take any notes during that downtime because it's supposed to be downtime. So... This week, I got, I got ready, started getting ready. Actually, last week, I, I cheated a little bit and got a week ahead um, on making my notes. <coughs> this is a message that I have been pondering on since the last time I was in front of you. And it's called The Simple Gospel. And I genuinely believe that it is exactly what God would have me to speak to you this morning. I promise you that. I often feel that way, but there are times when I come in questioning, is this the right thing, but not this morning. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, this is exactly what God would have me to say this morning. So I ask you to join with me as we share in, these, in, in this wonderful story. In John chapter 3, I'm going to start reading in verse 1. I'm not sure exactly how far we'll go. We're, we're prepared to go to verse 21, but I'm not sure we'll get that far. Um, just bear with me. Let's read this story. Um, this, is, this is a story that as a Christian, if you wanted to memorize a particular story from the Bible, this would be the one I would suggest. Because this story would be a great tool to have in memory when it comes time to leading somebody to Christ. If you could just learn how to tell the story of Nicodemus you can lead people to Christ. John chapter 3, starting in verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one <coughs> can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up, 
the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love darkness more than light, or rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth, comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, I humble myself before you this morning to say thank you for the opportunity to stand before this body of believers, to stand before this congregation of people, and to, to proclaim this message that I know you have given me. Father, I thank you for that opportunity. I pray that you open the hearts and minds of those in attendance. I pray, Father, that those that will see this on the Internet, that their heart would be open, that they would be prepared to receive what you have for us this morning. Father, I ask for your guidance, your direction. I pray that you hide me behind the cross, that you seal up my opinions, and everything that comes out of my mouth would be because you desired it to do so. Father, I thank you, I love you, and I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. When I started to think about the simple gospel, there's multiple places that we can find examples of what the gospel stands for and what it looks like and what salvation looks like and how we gain it and, and all of those things. But I, I started to think I want to hear it straight from Jesus' mouth. I want to I find out what Jesus' answer would be if someone came to him and said, how would I be saved? How can I be saved? What is salvation? What does it look like? What's, it, what's, what's the deal? So, and, I, and when I was thinking about that, I was reminded of this story, and I was reminded of the story of Nicodemus. Now, there's some details of the story that I didn't remember that I started to find as I began to dig into this thing. It's an awesome story, and it's a one, some wonderful points and some great preaching to come out of John chapter 3 in the story of Nicodemus. But I'm, I'm going to try my best. I'm not going to say I'm not. But I'm going to try my best not to chase a bunch of rabbits with this because it's easy to do. There's a lot of lead-offs from this. But I'm going to try my best to keep this as simple as I can possibly keep it and to get across to you exactly what God would have you to hear this morning. Now, bear with me. I'm human, and I make mistakes, and I, I do have ADD of some sort. I will get distracted. And, 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 and some of y'all is doing this in a big way because you've been around here a while. You know how easily distracted I am. But I want to point out just a few things out of this scripture this morning. And I want to encourage you to really and truly focus in on what we're talking about. And to keep in mind that we're talking about the simple gospel. In verses 1 and 2, I want you to notice something. This is, this is Nicodemus talking in verses 1 and 2. And it gives us a description of Nicodemus. And it says... There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, and this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher. Come from God, for no man can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Where is the question? Do y'all see a question mark in verses 1 and 2? 
Did, you, did Nicodemus ask anything? He didn't. He didn't ask a thing. He, he didn't ask about salvation. He didn't ask about being born again. He didn't ask about the kingdom of God. He did not ask a single question. Don't miss that. Nicodemus just approaches Jesus and we could go into and talk about who, who Nicodemus is and what the significance of who, is, who he is and what his role is and where he's from, the fact that he comes at night and does that represent the darkness and all of these things, but we're not going to. But I want you to recognize in verses 1 and 2, there are no question marks. Nicodemus didn't ask Jesus a question yet, right? He just approached him and said, we know you must be from God because nobody does the things we've been seeing you do unless God is with him. He didn't ask a question. He didn't ask for nothing. But look at Jesus' response. Unless one is born again. Unless one is born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus answered him like he asked a question. Right? You would assume, and when I started thinking about this, I thought, yeah, there was that man, Nicodemus, that came to Jesus by night and asked him about salvation and he broke it down. Boy, was I surprised. Nicodemus didn't ask about salvation. Right? He didn't ask. There's no question marks. So what's going on here? Let me tell you what's going on here. Jesus knowed something was troubling Nicodemus. Jesus seen Nicodemus' heart. He didn't have to ask a question. Look at, look at 1 Samuel 16, 7. Now this is, uh, <coughs> excuse me, just to assure you that I'm not taking this out of context, I want to give you just a little bit of background on where we're going here in 1 Samuel 16, 7. Um, Samuel has been told by God to go and anoint one of Jesse's kids as king. Now we all know that that ends up being David. But he cautions him of something before he gets to that part. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, But the Lord said to Samuel, this is, this is what he cautioned him, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. Next. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget that God himself told Samuel when he was going to... He said, now they, don't look at them. <laughs> don't think because you see their appearance, you know what I'm thinking. Because I don't see appearance. I see the heart. That's what Jesus seen in Nicodemus. He wasn't, he wasn't, didn't have to wait on a question. You know why? He was looking at his heart. When Nicodemus stepped up to talk to him, he knew his heart condition. He knew it was troubling Nicodemus. He knew Nicodemus had questions. And he didn't even wait for him to answer. Let me assure you of something. God knows your heart too. And if you're sitting here this morning and you'd like to know more about Nicodemus because you ain't never had salvation, you don't know what salvation is, you couldn't lead somebody else because you ain't been there, you ain't got to tell me nothing. Jesus knows your heart. I'm not up here to convict you this morning. I'm up here to share with you what God has given me to share with you. He knows your heart. There's no way I knew who would be here. Don't forget that. So if you feel like this is pointed at you and you feel like this message is to you, don't reject it because of who I am. I don't, it's not up to me. 
It's not on me. There's no way I knew you would be here today. I didn't write this with any particular person in mind. God gave me these words and I penciled them not knowing if anybody would show up. Know and understand that God knows your heart. There's no way I knew Bill Alexander was going to be here this morning. There's no way I could have sat around and prepared what I would say to him when he walked in the door. I've been meaning to stop by his office and thank the man and shake his hand and I ain't done it. But when I get here this morning, I come in here and he walked in the door, I, I said, I hear you, God. I wouldn't go see him, so you brought him to me. Now I've got to do this in front of everybody, and they're all going to see me cry. The other way, just Bill would have known I cried, not the rest of y'all. There's no way you can... Pre so don't think... Listen, God knows your heart. God sees what's on the inside. You can't put on a show and, and, and trick your way by him. And you know what? You don't have to say a word for God to know what's on your heart. God knows your heart. God knows my heart. He knows Brittany's and John Michael's heart with a desire to go to Africa and spread the gospel. He knows their heart. He knows it's a genuine desire. Nobody has to prove anything. That's why when, when Linda said, well, I was going to ask for a, an offering, but somebody kind of took care of that. I mean, they walk into a church where nobody knows them and they go and throw $4,000 at them. They don't even know them. But they know God and they know how to be obedient and God knows their heart and He supplies those needs. And He gives them confirmation along the way. You do the same thing in your life. Listen, this is the simple gospel. This is the whole point of why we're all here. There's a lot of meat in this. Look at verse 3. Jesus answered and said to him, Remember, he didn't ask no question. <laughs> Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Literal translation of unless one is born again is born from above. Unless one is born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. We live in a society and in a culture that don't want to hurt nobody's feelings. It wants to make sure everybody's included. We live in a culture of inclusion. And they want to include everybody but Christians. You're not allowed to offend anybody. You're not allowed to say anything that may hurt their feelings or... Listen, if you hurt their feelings, you have to give them a puppy dog or a teddy bear. They shut down schools and colleges because they don't know what no means. So they have to sit on the sidewalks and pat on each other's shoulders. In a society that, that we have created that says you have to be inclusive. And in an inclusive environment, in a, in a include everybody, that means you can't tell somebody else that what they believe is wrong. So that means that there's multiple paths according to society, according to the world. There's a bunch of different ways to get into heaven. That's not true. No matter who's feeling it hurts, the truth is the truth. The gospel is the truth. And there's only one way. Look at John 14, 6. Look at John chapter 14, verse 6. Mark Eminem's going to have it up here for us. John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus said to him, Jesus out of his mouth, 
Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. No one comes to the Father except through me, through Jesus. So that just eliminated every other road and every other path that gets you to heaven. Just got eliminated. Because this is either all true or none true. It's not a buffet. You can't look at it and pick and choose the things you want and leave the rest of it out. It don't work that way. It's either the truth of God's word or it's not. And let me assure you, it is. And it being the truth, Jesus just said him, his, out of his own mouth, no one gets to the Father except through me. So the only path to heaven, the only path to God, the only path to get us anywhere remotely close to God is through Jesus Christ. Not anything else. No matter what it's, no matter how long it's been taught, no matter how long they've been taught, it don't matter. None of that matters. This statement has to be the foundations of this belief system or it's all garbage. If there's many ways, then Jesus died for nothing. If I have to add anything else to the sacrifice that Jesus made, then what I'm saying is what he did wasn't enough. So if I tell you you have to come to church and, and believe and receive, then I just made the gospel false because the gospel don't say that. If I tell you you have to tithe in order to get to heaven, I've just made the gospel false because it don't say that. That's me saying that what Jesus did ain't enough. If I tell you you have to anything besides have a relationship with Jesus Christ in order to have salvation, I make the gospel false. And I tell the world that what Jesus did wasn't enough and man had to come along and add something to it. So don't ever let anybody tell you that salvation is based on anything except the sacrifice that Christ himself made. He didn't need me to help him. He don't need me to add to it. He don't need me to sugarcoat it and candy coat it and make it where you can earn it. It's a free gift. And it's available to everybody. Not everybody will receive it. Not everybody will accept it. As a matter of fact, the scripture, the same gospel also tells us that the gate is narrow. And few will find the path that leads to eternity in heaven. But the path to destruction or the path to Hades is wide and broad and many will enter therein. Few will find it. Few. So all everybody that adds something else to it, don't get it. Don't. Jesus just told Nicodemus everything you need to know about salvation, the very simple gospel. And what did he say? You must be born again. Everything that was born of flesh is flesh. How many people in here are flesh? All right, that's everybody. We're all human. We're all flesh. You know why? Because you were born of flesh. Along with that, comes the sins of flesh. Go to Romans chapter 3. 
wait a minute, don't go there yet. Don't go there. Because I found something else this morning while I was in Sunday school. Um, I promised <coughs> Sean I wouldn't come to Sunday school in here because he said I make him nervous. And I don't know about y'all, but I don't want the blind guy to be nervous. So I told him I wouldn't come in here. Now, I'm sure he did a fantastic job this morning. And, and I'm going to eventually work my way back in here, but I'm also going to take advantage of the opportunity to go visit some other classes and see some other folks do what they do. And in doing that this morning in Brother Eddie's class and, and Big Daddy's class, the, the senior adults, where's Miss Faye at? There she is. Miss Faye, would you raise your hand just a little bit higher? Yeah. I want to tell y'all just a quick story because I thought it's the funniest thing I've heard in a long time. And this really happened. A lot of people get on me and go, where do you get all them stories? Listen, just shut your mouth and listen. You'll get some stories too. You just got to get outside the walls of the house and listen to people. They'll, they'll make these stories. I didn't make this up. I didn't have nothing to do with this. But I want to tell you, it's a good one. Miss Faye come in just a little bit late this morning. And when she come in, Brother Eddie was taking prayer requests. And she come in, and of course, she first of all apologized for being late. And Eddie said, that's okay, come on in, we're glad to have you. Have you got any prayer requests? She said, yeah, as a matter of fact, I do. You can pray for me this morning, because I've been fussing all the way to church. <laughs> really? She said, I have, and I know I shouldn't be, so y'all just pray for me. And she didn't stop there. She explained to us why she was fussing. Now get this, this is really what she said. Y'all don't miss this. Y'all seen Miss Faye, right? Y'all seen her, y'all know who I'm talking about. She said, I got behind this little old lady on the way to church this morning. <laughs> that was what I did. I just, what? You said, what? <coughs> Driving 15 mile an hour and hitting her brakes every time you turn around. I thought you finally got to a place in your life, age-wise, where you couldn't say little old whatever anymore. Then after class, I was talking to her about it, because I'm telling y'all, that's the funniest thing I've heard in a long time that I could repeat anyway. I was talking to her about it, and she said, you know, I got to thinking when I was doing all that grumbling coming down through there, I was grumbling about this little old lady, and I thought, you know, there's a good chance she's younger than I am. material to bring to y'all this morning. Thank you, Miss Faye. I also found in the teachings another scripture that I wanted to share with you in Acts chapter 4 verse 12. You'll have to turn there in your Bible because I didn't give this to Mark. Acts chapter 4 verse 12 because I got this information after I talked to Mark. I didn't know I had this one. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm so sorry. Acts chapter 14 verse 12. Uh, no, not 14, 4. Acts 4.12. He's got it? Look at Mark. Good job, Eminem. I'm proud of you, bro. I like it when things just flow like it's supposed to. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. <clears throat> Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now that's just two instances of us being told that Jesus Christ is the only way into heaven. There's more. There's more. I promise you there's more. But there's two of them. 
There's only one Savior, and it's Jesus Christ. And if it hurts somebody else's feelings that that's the truth, I'm sorry, but it don't change the fact that that's the truth. It's still the truth. The truth is the truth no matter who's involved, no matter what the circumstances. The gospel is the truth, and it has to be, it must be the very foundation of what you believe. And if you add anything to that, you've made the gospel not true. Because the gospel says, according to Christ, I must be born again. Now, admittedly, that's not as simple as it may sound. I mean, that's a little more complicated than our understanding of it because think of Nicodemus standing in this position and Jesus looks at him and goes, you must be born again. Nicodemus's response is, how am I going to be born a second time? I can't get back in my mother's womb. And Jesus goes, no, wait a minute, slow down, hang on, listen to what I'm telling you. What's born of the flesh is flesh. But what's born of the spirit is spirit. Amen? So that's our explanation for what does it mean to be born again. To be born again means to be born of the Spirit. Stay with me. Remember, I called this the simple gospel. I'm doing everything I can to not complicate it. We have this problem in our society today where we want to... <coughs> not we want to, not, that's not a problem. We seem to not we seem to be convinced that the gospel by itself won't do. Right? We have to have some kind of a book to help us study. We have to have some other man's opinion to explain to us what the scripture means. We we got to have a material for this and and I'm not saying those things are evil, but I'm saying shouldn't there come a time in every one of our lives that the gospel says exactly what it says, and that's just enough. And we should just be able to sit down with our Bible and read our Bible and pray and listen and allow God to speak to us and explain to us what it <coughs> means in those... <coughs> excuse me, I've been fighting that for three weeks. You'd look like by now it'd be gone. I would put in a cough drop, but I'd be rolling it, bouncing it off my teeth, and that'd get on your nerves worse than the cough. Trust me, I know it gets on my nerves and I'm the one doing it. The simple gospel. We've twisted and turned and we've got to have this to make it work and that to have it work. L look at us, look, look, at, look at all. Look at, look at the church and where the church is today. And go back and compare that to the church that the gospel talks about. According to scripture, multiple times, the Bible will say this. The man got saved and then his entire household got saved. Right? That's true, right? There's more than one story of that. There's a jailer that that happened to. Uh, there's a guy in the streets that that happened to. That happens multiple times in scripture. Show me one instance in scripture that says the wife got saved or the child got saved and the rest of the household got saved. Somebody give me that example from scripture. It's not there. But 
who do we pander to as a church? Not, not just Wales Baptist, but churches in general. Who do we make sure we get first? Sounds backwards to me. Sounds to me like if we would focus our efforts on reaching men, that the women and children would get saved too. They'd come along for the ride. You know why? Because that's the way God designed it. Who is, in God's eyes, supposed to be the spiritual leader of the house? Father. Now, does that mean if you're in a situation where you can't get your husband to come to church that you're some kind of failure? No. Does that mean you should just quit because he's not here? Absolutely not. It means you're going to have to carry more of the load. The reason you feel like it's a heavier burden than anybody else or than most people is because it is. You know why? Because you're having to go against the grain. It's not the way God designed it. And when you do things not the way God designed them, it causes it to be a heavier burden. But that don't make you evil. That don't mean you can't be accepted. That don't mean you shouldn't be here. But what I'm getting at is, where is our focus? Where, where should our focus? You know what should be the most popular small group class we got? Sean McKittrick, Sunday evening. It should be men wanting to know what God says about how to be a man. That should be the most popular one. It should be the one that, because if we could fill it up and we could get godly men to stand up and be godly men, godly husbands, godly fathers, godly leaders, the rest of it would fall into place. But instead of doing all we can do to get as many men in, want to make sure the children are took care of and the women are took care of. And I'm not saying that's evil. I'm just saying I don't see it. I'm not saying we should stop having vacation Bible school for the kids. But look at the amount of time we put in, effort we put into that. I don't think we should stop it. I think it's a great thing. I just think our priorities are flipped. I think if we would get back to the very basics of Scripture, see a whole lot more take place in the lives of people outside the walls of this church. I really do. Keep going. According to Romans 3.23, some of y'all know this by heart. We're going to read 21 and 24, 21, 22, and 24 to go with 23. Most of you know 23. This is Romans chapter 3 starting in verse 21. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. The righteousness of God. You see this? The righteousness of God sets on those who believe. For there is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God so in order to be the righteousness of God I've got to have something because I know that I was born of the flesh we established that earlier right and this is what the born of the flesh are for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God you ain't no different than anybody else. People get in their minds and in their hearts that I can't do this. I got to get this straight. I got to get this straight. I got to get here in my life before I can allow this to take place, before I'll speak to Jesus, before I'll go to church, whatever. 
Let me tell you something. If we're waiting to get clean before we come to get Christ, we're all out. You can't do it no more than I could do it. What you got to do is admit that Romans 3.23 applies to you. You have sinned and you have fallen short. And then after you admit that, you got to admit you can't get back to that glory. You can't, you can't get back to where you belong by yourself. You've got to have some help. Then you can be helped. Verse 24. Being justified freely by His grace, not by my works, not by who I am, not by my bloodline, by His grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. Mm. <clears throat> Can y'all see that? That's big as I got. I wish I had a big and I, <laughs> I'd use it. That's a $20 bill for those of you in the back and can't see. <laughs> or some of the little old ladies. See that, Miss Faye? That's $20 bill, got you. I sure do love you. $20 bill, right? If I said you can have, whoever's first up here can have this. Don't do that. <laughs> Calm down, Montana. <laughs> Woo, I thought she was going to knock me down. That's my own right there. I, me and you both know you'll end up with it anyway. No need to run up here. $20 bill. She's so confused right now, she ain't got a clue what I've said. <laughs> Bless her heart. If I said first one here gets it, y'all run over me. Well, let's pretend it's bigger than this because the 20, y'all just ain't, y'all ain't feeling it, right? Y'all got more of them than I do. <coughs> let's pretend it's a hundred. <coughs> y'all killing me. I'm trying to get done. I'm, I'm at the end. As, as Kevin would say in closing. Of course, I'd have had to say it 30 minutes ago, but I'd have had to say it. Y'all can tell him I said that. I don't really care. He'll do it on the internet anyway. I love him too. Him and Miss Faye, they make me feel so good. So I've got a hundred dollar bill. I about lost y'all this morning, ain't I? <laughs> what would that $100 bill be worth to you? Let's go about it this way. If it, if it were a $100 bill, what would it be worth to you? $100, right? I mean, So this $20 bill would be worth $20. You can't do as much as you once could with $20, but you can do a lot with it. What if I took this $20 bill and I wadded up and I crunch it up and I get it as small as I can get it. Now, how much is that $20 bill worth? Still? Alright, what if I laid it on the floor and as society sometimes does to us, I, I tread it underfoot and I step on it and I mash it and I wad it. Now what's it worth? $20 bill. Still worth $20. No matter what you do to it. Now, when I unfold it, you notice a while ago it's pretty, pretty straight and pretty neat. Been, I've been sitting on it. I've been saving that in about six months. <laughs> now Montana knows I got it. It's gone. Look at it. It's all crinkled and crumpled. It's been wadded up. It's been defaced. I've stepped on it. I've wadded it. What's it worth? You know, some of us believe that because of what we've been through, 
worth as much as we once was. Some of us believe that because society has watered us up and cast us aside, we ain't worth much anymore. Some of us believe that because when you straighten us back out, even though you've gotten us straightened back out, we've still got all those wrinkles. We're convinced we're not worth as much anymore. Let me assure you, according to Christ, you're to die for. No matter what you've been through, no matter what you've endured, no matter what you look like or feel like today, Christ loves you as much today as he did before you experienced those things. He's not waiting on you to get cleaned up. He's not waiting on you to get things right. He's waiting on you to look at him and go, okay, I'm ready. If you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, you'll see that according to Scripture, there's this change that takes place once you've accepted that, once you've believed that Jesus is the only way and I want that way and I desire that way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, remember there's one way to God, right? One way to heaven, and it is through Christ. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. See, you ain't got to become new before you come to him. The process of coming to him makes you new. You just got to admit you can't do it. You just got to admit you need it. You just got to admit you're in the same boat as everybody in this building, including me. I can't get there without Christ. And it's, it's not because of who my mom and daddy are. It ain't because they did a bad job raising me or didn't whip me enough or whatever. It's because I was born in the flesh, and flesh can't get there. I've got to be born in the Spirit. I've got to receive Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, and that is the beginning, beginning key here, the beginning of a relationship with Him that transforms me and everything in me becomes new. Old things have passed away. I want to ask you this morning. I feel like I've presented to you the simple gospel. I want, I want you, I want you, yourself, to think about where you are today. And I want to know, listen y'all, according to scripture, narrow is the path. Narrow is the gate. And few will enter therein. and then I'm done. A, a lady that lived beside my mom and dad ever since we moved to town wasn't doing well. <clears throat> they wanted me to come talk to her. Her son did. <clears throat> and I did that on a Sunday afternoon. <clears throat> I went over and stopped by and talked to her for a few minutes and talked to him afterwards and, and, and kind of just felt him out. And what, what, I mean, what do you want me? What do you, what do you want me to do? He said, I, I just want to know, is she at peace? I want to know, does she know Christ? And I said, okay, I'll be back, because I did not do that today. Me and her laughed and cut up, and, and I, I told her, I, I, you know, I appreciate what you did for me growing up. Me and my brother, my sister at times, there's no telling what we would have been into if it weren't for you, because this woman was watching us like a hawk, y'all. I mean, this, she knowed, she knowed where we had been, where we was going, who we was with, how long we was there. 
And I said, I just want you to know I appreciate it today. I didn't appreciate it then. She said, no, you thought I was a mean old woman. I said, yes, ma'am, I didn't think it. I knowed it. <laughs> I was just pretty convinced I couldn't do nothing that you didn't tell my mom and daddy. And this whole time, come to find out, you was watching out for me. And I appreciate that. So we had that conversation. I left. They called back last week and said, you know, she's not doing well. I said, you know, time's limited. So I went back over there uh, Thursday evening. And uh, I just asked her. And they took her off of everything. And she's just kind of laying there in the bed and in and out. You know, she could still talk to me. She knew who I was when I come in the room. She laughed and cut up with me for a couple of minutes. And I said, I'm just here to find out one thing. I just need to know one thing. You talked to me a long time ago about preaching your funeral. I need to know what I can tell them people. Do you know Jesus? That's what I need to know. And she said, as a matter of fact, I look forward to meeting him. That's all I need to know. And I want to ask you the same thing today because when you're in that position, nothing else matters. Do you know what matters to her? She died last night at 7.15, by the way. Do you know what mattered to her late? It didn't matter. She didn't care what size house she had. She didn't care how much money is in the bank, how much retirement she had, how hard she'd worked. She didn't care about nothing. You know why? Because it didn't matter. None of it mattered. Zero. You know what mattered is whether or not she had a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's all that mattered. Don't wait till it's too late to think over that and make that decision. If you need to know more about that, come see me at this altar this morning. Where's my musician? Come on, Johnny boy, Dale, Miss Savannah. They're going to they're gonna play. We're going to sing. And I'm going to give you opportunity to self-examine and go, where do I stand? Where am I? And I'm going to give you another opportunity that I want you to take advantage of this morning. First, I'm going to put this $20 bill up before I lose it. I won't be able to get through the week. <laughs> if you know somebody, you ain't sure about, if you know somebody that you know don't got it right, that you know ain't figured this part out, that don't understand the gospel, if you know somebody that believes there's a thousand ways to do and they've just chosen the one that fits them best, I want you to come up here and pray for them this morning. Now we're going to ask God